This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Hey, it's Thursday. It's the Two Shot Podcast. And this is episode 122 with David Mameni. Um, do you want some good news? I thought, yeah, I thought you could do with some good news. Now, whenever we record, I'm saying this whenever, I'd say 90% of the time, we've always been welcomed with open arms to uh, Maison Berto on Greek Street, which is a, a lovely little cake and coffee shop. You know it. If you know Soho, you know it. it's an institution in Soho. The most fantastic cakes, great service, and they've always let us record down there in their basement. And not once did they accept any money from us at all. They've always done it for free for years since we started. And we've always been very grateful to Tanya and Michelle and everybody who works at Maison Bateau. Now, due to the the current state of the world, obviously they've had to close the doors and they were worried that they might have to remain closed. Um, that is until the very kind and generous donations of maybe some of you, a lot of, a lot of people have been digging deep and throwing what they can. And I just found out yesterday that they've surpassed their goal which means that they can afford to stay afloat and pay their staff for another two months, which is brilliant news. And that's all down to people being so generous um, because they've always been generous with a lot of other people. So it's just about time that we can pay that back. So massive, massive congratulations to Maison Bateau. I know a lot of businesses uh, are struggling. I'm not going to get into it. It's not that type of podcast, is it? You come here because you want a bit of escapism with other people and other people's stories. And that's what we're going to try and do week in, week out. What I've been doing for the past week, I've recorded a few episodes remotely. Um, one was with uh, with visual, with video, and the other few have just been with audio. And I'll be honest with you, I've got to get my head around this. I'm finding this very difficult. It's just a new way of recording. Obviously, I've been so used to having the human being in front of me and looking into their eyes, um, you know, and looking and reading their body language. Um, so we're doing this. It's slightly alien. So give me a bit of time to uh, to get used to it. And I'm sure for you to get used to it, but hopefully you won't be getting used to it for that much longer. I mean, who knows? Let's just see how we go. But uh, as long as we just 
stay indoors and do that and do some cooking and uh, listen to lots of podcasts and watch lots of films. Then we'll see how we get on, shall we? So, a long, long time ago, it feels anyway, myself and Griff met David in London. Big shout out to Native Bankside for giving us a space to record in London because, speaking of Maison Bateau, we couldn't record there because it was it was such a lovely day and it was super busy and they're right next door to where the Harry Potter play is on and it was um, matinee and we just didn't want to take up the space when they could have had paying customers, obviously. But the very generous folk at Native Bankside gave us a hotel room and we recorded in there and we met up with David and it was towards the end of the day and we got down to it. Now, David is a fantastic actor. You'll know him from things like Dead Pixels on Channel 4 and Sliced. Um, but also he founded this incredible initiative that I've been behind from the world go. And I'm sure a lot of you know about it. It's called open door. And if you don't know a lot about it, if you don't know a lot about it, mate, something like one of those old school DJs locked up. Um, if you don't know anything about open door, then we're going to get into it. But first we're going to get into talking about David Mameni. This is episode 122 of the Two Shot Podcast. And I shall see you at the end. Enjoy. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. David, I'm not wrong in saying this, but we've been in discussions about you coming on this, I think, since the very, very early days of the podcast. Why has it taken us so long? And it has taken us so long, hasn't it? and it, not for one to try in, but it's just about well, organising dates, isn't it? Scheduling. And, and you've been very, very busy I've doing like, all it's, sorts it's of things. Two, two, <laughs> it's like having two full-time jobs, that's what it's like. So sometimes um, time is hard. Yeah. Um, but I think you asked me once, and I think I was, I was away, or I was working, and then... I think you would... I think that, well, we've we've been trying to plan it for a few times, but a lot of the time that comes back and it's, uh, oh, no, because we've got auditions. And yeah, we've got yeah, the next yeah, day. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. like, to, I think tomorrow you've got auditions, haven't you? Tomorrow I've got to run yeah, open yeah. a workshop. Yeah. yeah, I've got a workshop tomorrow. Mm. So I was trying to think about where we should start this and because I really want to get into the open door nutter because I think it's vital and I think it's really really interesting and also for people who don't know about it so I think we should wait to get to that yeah what do you feel about that is yeah, that cool end, yeah so what I think we should start at the beginning and I think we should talk about growing up so where are we growing up so growing up in northwest London whereabouts northwest Wilsden Kensal Rise right okay um, I, I'm all nearly laughing because what people can't see because it's a podcast. Just try to fit that question. And it, just, yeah. David just tried to, to fit, was it a Dorito? 
Um, it was one of the French fries. It was a French fry. It's a mixed bag of crisps. Can I, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, David, yeah, I'm can sorry, I, here, I'm listen. Sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go, Walkers go. are not sponsors of this podcast I wasn't going to mention yet. their name. But we said French fries, so, you know, it only takes two and two. It, I mean, surely if Walkers want to come on board, I mean, surely everybody's picked like a Gary Lineker by mm-hmm. now. They must be. Mm-hmm. They need to, it's 2020. Come it's on. not been about in a while. I've not seen those adverts in a while. That's true. This is it. Walkers, climb on. Anyway, we're not talking about walkers. walkers we're talking. That's a gorgeous tag. There we go. We've got mm. that. Mm. Um, Wilsden. Wilsden. Mm. Um, I lived in my like road, and the two roads around it were surrounded, surrounded by Kensal Eyes, Wilsden, and Queens Park. Right. Which at the time were all quite rough areas. I think people think Queens Park was always nice, and it has got the park, and there are nice bits. But like in some, in one, at one point, it was more. It felt more dangerous or rough when you come out of the station than than Wilsden did. But it's not like protected. that now, or is it? No, it's, I mean, it's all very patisseries, delicatessens. Um, the same old story about London. Um, and I remember, like, what? Because I've got quite on a, on a quite long road, and the other end of the road was quite rough. Yeah, <laughs> and the kids were different on each side. So the kids that would play the street on my side, like you know, didn't bother each other, and the ones up there would like try and throw stuff up the road. <laughs> You were sort of scared to go down the road. Right? <laughs> and then Kensal Rise, like, and now it's like, obviously, see, there's one of like the really nicest areas, of, poshest areas of London. But yeah. It was really rough. Like, there were shootings once a month. You'd always see a thing about, like, have you seen this, you know, the murder of this, or did anyone see anything? Um, and I remember when we were like 17. So, yeah, go to 17 when you start going to parties and stuff. And you're like, we've run out of booze, let's, let's go. And the only thing open was like this 7 Eleven in in um, Kensal Rise, but you have to go as a big group because you're worried about just getting mugged or someone taking your staff or whatever. So we just, you just sort of just like run it down. Um, Did it become the norm? Was it just, oh, well, that's just what I grew up with and that's just what it is? Yeah, it really became the norm. And my school, my primary school was fine. My primary school was quite nice. And everyone that was in my year went to Hampstead School. Okay. And that was the, you know, you know, primary school, like there's a name, like we have to get to this. Everyone's like going to that school. You know, yeah. You sit, you and um, and for whatever, me and this other guy weren't in the catchment. So, like, everyone went to Hampstead. And we went to Quinton Kinniston. Where's that? QK, which is in Swiss Cottage. And well, still not too shabby, is it, Swiss Cottage? Now, yeah, but... yeah. Oh, what yeah. was it like back then? Sorry. No, I think Swiss Cottage wasn't... Well, yeah, because you're surrounded by, um, obviously, St. John's Wood. I mean, our school was technically in St. John's Wood. Right. And opposite our school was an American school, which was, like, a private, you know, international students and all that kind of stuff. But Quinton Kinniston, QK, was, like... I didn't know at the time when I was a kid. My mum thought it was still better than the Queen's Park Community School. And it was, like... What, what, sorry to interrupt. What year are we talking here? Just so I can get... An 98? I don't right, know. okay. Is that... That works about if I graduated like 2014, yeah, 98. That right. sounds about right. So, yeah, end of the 90s. And I bet she sounds so old, doesn't it? <laughs> end of the 90s. Um, and, and it, re- it really doesn't. Uh, not to me. <laughs> um, and, and it was rough. Like, I think the year before we came, there was no uh, barriers or gates around the school. Yeah. And so people would just come in and do what they want and walk their dog or whatever in the playground. And then they put the gates up. Um, and there was a te- there was a terrible case about that head teacher um, being stabbed. I don't know if you remember. I do remember Lawrence, that actually. Um, and later found out that that was a guy from previous years, obviously years before I came, had gone down and, and done that to another school. And so the school that I went to was 
rough. It was really bad. It was notoriously bad. And um, it was, I had a terrible time, if I'm honest. Like, Did you? Yeah, man. Bullying was strong. And it wasn't a bullying right. where like, same kids come beat you up and take your money. Over. It wasn't that kind of thing. It was like names and um, it was rough. Everyone was, it was like everyone was trying to outdo each other, be that physically or... So it was more psych- Was it more psych- psychologically yeah, for you emotionally? Yeah, 100%. Um, it was, it was, it was super hard. And I think because I was quite like open and like, oh, I want to make friends. And actually it was kind of, the, everyone was kind of, people wanted to make friends, but it was about, well, you know how schools work. It's about taking, taking people down. And looking for people's weaknesses. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I don't know why, like, I remember I'm a bit camp but school back then I think you know the, what what you heard in the all the time was like gay 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 and it was used in a in a dogatory way and it was used in a way that was supposed to be harmful and negative and which I, I'd like to think schools you know school I worked in a few years ago you know things are people are openly out and it's kind of changed a bit but back then it, it was it was it was a, a tool that people would use to sort of um uh, emasculate yeah what they thought was you know emasculating someone and um, and it made you question. It made you. It made you start to question that and go, oh, like maybe I am because everyone thinks I am, or you think everyone, but it's a couple of people. Do you know what I mean? And it's stupid yeah, stuff but- where because you can't play football because I had these weird like penguin feet and I can't control the ball. I was good at all the other sports, but no one played any of the other sports in a right. concrete playground. You don't play rugby or it's a bit of basketball. I was quite. I was quite good at that. But it's it's just stupid things like that. Or because I didn't like fighting, or I used to cry. Like I used to be really like. Sensitive. I was hypersensitive. So those things used to sort of like super affect me. It was it was a massive part of my growing up. I had a terrible time. So that thing you said at the beginning, which prompted me to say it, was that idea that like that was my world. I thought the world was like kidhood, and that that was that was the world. For right. Me. Okay. How did that <clears throat> impact your? Well, let's start with how did it impact your home life? Home life was kind of. Uh, a safer place. I mean, there's always stuff at home, isn't it, for everyone? And I probably won't go into that too much. But well, some sometimes, you know, sometimes, sometimes not. sometimes not, and different levels, you know. There's always like you know something, but I think definitely like that was a more stable thing. You know, I was lucky to have a mum and a dad and sisters, um, where it, it, what, I didn't live. I didn't live on. A, I didn't live in an area that I was surrounded by those areas, but my home life wasn't. Didn't have the aggression or the. Um, I wasn't in the fear that I might have had at school. Right, okay. Do you know what I mean? And it was, it was, it was, I was scared. Like it was, and it's not mad to think young people are scared to like, oh yeah, it's not, you know, I thought about contemplating bringing a knife because they'll walk home or, or bringing a knife to school because that is it was a constant threat. Because of protection. Yeah, because yeah. you're scared, because people did have knives um, or someone would come for another school. There were these, I remember the first day, um, my mum bought me this bag, which was like this massive Adidas bag, which was quite, you know, at least it was Adidas. But it was like, um, <laughs> it's like what you put like artwork in. It was quite like, I don't know, like a big old rectangle kind of thing that I had. Yeah. And I used to put all my books in it. Um, and only like, I think two weeks in, my my um, one teacher said, you know, you don't need to bring this, all the books every day. You only need to the books that you have. You know what I mean? For if you don't have science today, don't bring the massive science book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like weighed down by this. I was like, oh, okay, um, I'm tall now, but I, was, I, wasn't, I wasn't that tall back then. I had a, a gross book. And I remember the first day and there was this um, uh, kid on the floor and he was bleeding. He'd been beaten up in sixth form. I was year seven. I could see behind the gates in front of the school. 
and the Kosovan kids had a fight with the black kids at school. Right. And it was like that. It, was, it wasn't that it was um, the gangs or... No one even gangs, but it wasn't that the groups were necessarily... It wasn't cause of race or where the people were, but it was that those were the forms of friends and how people... Um, that just... Because friendship groups. It was, so, was it about culture or...? Sometimes. Sometimes because it was a time after... I'm not smart enough to remember the history of sort of like Kosovo War and all that kind of stuff. But you had our school was so ethnically diverse, and you know it, it, every type of group was there. It wasn't dominated by one specific race. It was a big Middle Eastern, big yeah. South Asian, um, uh, Caribbean, Africa. Like um, white was probably the minorities in terms of white English. Is it, um, is it still? Quite like that today, Wheels well, and Queen's Park, Kensal Wheels and Queen's Park has changed. I think that school has changed. I mean, year below me was like Talisa. She came for sixth form. Right. Um, and she was like really quiet. She's in nice and yeah, And when you said Talisa, you mean it's so solid crew Talisa. And dubs. Okay. And dubs. Oh, really she knows so, no, no. Oh, yeah. so, 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 so
right? Yeah, I think they would call it that. Because I think I'm right in saying this is either on the back or the front. I think it's the back. So uh, I think, and please don't don't text me in or email in people from the northeast. But I'm pretty sure in sort of north, in the northeast Newcastle way, they call it a croggy. Yeah, that makes sense. Yours makes sense. You know, don't say that. Don't they, you don't want no, the but like there's some logic back. to it. No, but you know like, what I mean. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's simple, isn't it? It's a fucking backy. But yeah. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, we've so all no, got nutmeg right. rush. Nutmeg. So a nutmeg. I think that is a common football term. I'm not a big football man. Oh, you're speaking to someone who is so unsporty. But good. So I fell it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. So it's when you kick the leg between. You kick the ball between someone's leg. So you know a player's about to go to the goal. You're, you're the defender. And he sort of rushes and I, it yeah, past the leg. Yeah, your legs and I go past you. Take the ball. I, I. That's the nutmeg. Yes. A rush is well, like London back then. Rush meant like to. To beat someone up, I'll be rushed him, like we beat him up. Right. So nutmeg rush was like, if I get the ball through your leg, I'll you usually get like people quite, you know, you get a punch in the arm. But my school nutmeg rush was like But you've achieved the, you've achieved the nutmeg, so therefore you've still got the ball, so why do you have to get hit? You've achieved no, sorry, you rush the nutmeg, the person you've nutmegged. Oh, so if you get the ball through, then you're you able to person. give him a punch. Yeah. So oh. if I let's let's break it down a bit more. If okay. I put the ball through your legs, I yeah. get to punch you. Yeah, I'm not liking this game. No. So imagine playing it with like, there was um, probably 50 kids playing at one time yeah, between no. year seven and nine and everyone just beats them up. Yeah, I'm that was play- how it worked. Not, I'm not playing this game. And it was no. fun. Well, And the games also were like, year, loads of year sevens versus like six, four, six, six formers and then just people just fighting. So that kind of was, that was the... the, the, the that the was, game of choice. That was school. That was, right. yeah, that was, that was school. That was the school that I brought up in. And I know you're supposed to say, oh, it, it made you. And, and I'm oh, sure no, it no, made no. me I was, but I'd rather done without it, I think. <laughs> yeah, me <laughs> too, hearing this. But how did all this impact your education? I was a right at school, but a right at my school isn't like a B. A right at my school is like you're nearer a C. You're just under a C. So I was like a CD kind of guy. Yeah. But in sort of the stuff that I was interested in. So when I, you know, you got to do sort of like um, the practical side of drama, for example, I might get an A or B. Right. This is interesting. Was drama on your curriculum? Or yeah, was it was. It, it was. Yeah, it was good. It was, that's, that was what was good. And that, you know, I hadn't really done it before. You do a sort of play in year six, don't you? Um, yeah, year six at primary school or whatever. But I hadn't really done much or anything really. And... Um, you know, sometimes, especially even more so now, right now in uh, in schools, it's it's extracurricular. Yeah, and it's getting cut all the time. You know, yeah. we've got um, PE teachers on a rotation teaching that um, drama, music, and art. Like it's 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 got to a place like that. Um, there are still loads of schools that still value it, but um, it's got that bad in some places. Um, Which I'm we sure we'll get onto much yeah, more later sure. on. <laughs> the politics of it all. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, we did have drama, and for whatever reason, I seemed to make people laugh in it because you improvise, and obviously that was my must have been my go-to. And then suddenly people wanted to be in my group, so I was kind of like popular in that one class. Um, and how so did that, that how did that make you feel? Yeah, because it was kind. Of, it's nice to feel that you're good at something. Yeah, um, that's that's how we often work, isn't it? Like we end up doing the thing that we think. We get hopefully get some joy, or we think we're quite good at it. Um, and uh, yeah, that was that was that was quite nice, I guess. I guess that was quite good, and that was a place that I could go do it. And and then, like, you know, when you 
did A level and you, I mean, we did A level. Was it media? And we had to make a a trailer to a thriller. Right. Okay. So I got my my tutor, geography teacher, to be the like the victim, and he was getting stalked and stuff. And I filmed it around. What the teacher was willing to be in it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know, there were there were teachers. The, 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 you know, the teachers because it was such a challenging school. To work in those schools, or sometimes there's teachers that are literally signing and, you know, I can't cope with the kids. Yeah. Many a teachers, you know, classes would make loads of teachers cry. That was a standard. Like, sometimes that was the game in the class, no learning would be done. Like, there were some classes where it was a joke. Like, I mean, we didn't do any learning. We just, people just threw stuff and just tried to make the teacher cry. That was kind of a thing. Kids are just horrible. Horrible, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But full of that sort of, and it all just comes from insecurity and sort of sometimes mayhem at home and going, yeah, just just not having the confidence. It's just, just factors of so many things. Yeah, hundred percent. And and you know you've got those you've got really good teachers and you've got teachers who know how to work with those t- classes. And the teacher we had, Mr. Umar, who I had for years, was my tutor. He teach geography and he was super strict. He wasn't like um, he wasn't like uh, like my mate who I said is a science teacher who was like yeah. he can relate to the kids, but he's also had the discipline. He wasn't like that, but because he had a simp- uh, an amount of discipline, discipline that was fair and it wasn't erratic and he was stayed calm, he was able to control that class. And I remember having a really inspirational history teacher in year seven and eight, and then he went. And often what happens when schools need a redoing, they go into politics a bit, but they get rid of some of the long-term teachers because it's cheaper to have new teachers. And so some of the teachers weren't ready for the, the classes that were about to be put upon them, basically. But anyway, back to media. The teacher was in the teacher was in the, the film and uh, ended up being example work for like Edexcel for like how to do it. Right. But all the written work, I was terrible. I mean, I think I ended up getting a C in drama, but my practical stuff was good because I was just rubbish at writing and my handwriting was bad. And was it because you were rubbish or you just didn't feel that you of, wanted to do it? Bit of, yeah, a bit of both. I was yeah. boring. Why would I study like? I don't, you know, it's really hard to revise. I just found it really Because obviously that wasn't stimulating you at all. No, it just isn't. And I think people got suspicions that I might be a bit ADHD, so that might be a a thing now where, like, I just want to focus on the things that I like doing or that I'm passionate about. Um, And, yeah, that's that's what it was. And I think the Unicorn Theatre, who now are building, um, they make, uh, you know, theatre for children and young people... They came in and they wanted some young people or children to be in this professional piece they were doing in the West right. End somewhere, which I think is now Weatherspoons, but it was in some like old church. And, um, and every, that's when I realised isn't, every, isn't every lovely building now? It's a Weatherspoons. <laughs> it's a Weatherspoons. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Some of them are beautiful. Do you know that one in Holloway Road? The cor- I think it's called yeah. the Coronet. Didn't that used to be a, a gorgeous cinema? It's amazing. Is it like, is it, I've never been in, but whenever Massive. I go past it. It's like Art Decoy. Yeah, it's like a TARDIS. Like, yes. it's amazing in there. Like, it's so big. Um, so sad. But, <laughs> so sad that's where it's been. But it's beautiful. Um, and uh, what was I saying? Was uh, the Unicorn Theatre that came through. Yeah, they came through. in. And then, and, then, and then I got a bit on it. And and I remember going, oh, this is like a proper job. Like this is a, How old were you now at this point? I think I was like, you're nine or something. So I was like 13. Right, Okay. And then some some mum from one of the primary school friends, she said, if you're interested in acting, if you like doing that, you should go to this thing called ATS, Artist Theatre School, which um, Amanda Redman, yeah. um, she ran. Where's that? In Ealing. Right, which is West London. Yeah, West London. And it wasn't one of them sort of stage schools where you're paying loads of money. It, it, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was, you know, I think it was a hundred and something for like a term, which, okay, now people can say like access to stuff, but back then that was, that was really cheap. Um, and yeah, I started doing that, and 
And what she ended was, up being some kind of, me- well, I'll go into it later, but she ended up sort of tutoring me to get to drama school, which kind of led to all the stuff we'll talk about later. Was that, was that uh, a once a week thing? Yeah, called? once a week, every Saturday. And some classes were, why am I here? And some classes were amazing. And sometimes we, you know, but Ray Winston did some masterclass. But in like, that life, some classes yeah. I go, oh, I don't know what I'm doing yeah, this for. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and it's just what you connect to sometimes, isn't it? But um, or what you take from it. Yeah. And there was a, a fit, I'm, not, I'm now a trustee for a charity called Dream Arts, and that was one as well, where they um, they came in and they were doing, uh, you know, um, I think it was 101 Arabian Nights. Right. But it was with young people from, you know, local schools and all the rest of it. And we did the Cockpit Theatre, which is this small theatre on Edgeware Road, um, where other young people come see it. I remember doing a Romeo and Juliet where I was Paris, um, and they changed the story. It was a hip-hop musical version. Right. You know, inner city London. Yeah. And I was Paris. I think I ended up stabbing Romeo and Juliet lived. <laughs> so they mixed it up at the end. <laughs> but I remember they had a character, Rosaline, <clears throat> and um, and uh, she had like a song in it. She did like Stevie Wonder's Ribbon in the Sky or whatever. And all the young people were like shouting because their character was like, I think supposed to be quite promiscuous or whatever. They were shouting like, ho, but all these like derogatory things. And, and the director had to stop the show and sort of break it out and say, look, this isn't real. Like, oh it's my good that you're God. interacting. Yeah. I, don't if you, I mean, if you've done any plays or you've ever gone to a play where there's young people in the audience, they believe it. Well, I was that's kind of the best. Say, it's kind of the best thing. I went to see uh, The Beauty Queen of Lanerne at the Young Vic Mark Madonna play. And there was a group in in the evening, I think, a lot of young people... And they were shouting out, don't do that. Yeah, what yeah, 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 yeah. This really the climatic role yeah. of the play. And I'm not going to say what it is because I don't want to spoil it because it's such a fucking amazing play. But something happens and they're shouting, don't do that. Don't. And it's some, oh, God, it was hilarious. It was turned into a, a rock concert. Yeah. But it was brilliant. I remember speaking to so many actors who were on stage afterwards and they loved it. They couldn't get enough of it. Because you usually when you're stage, you don't know what's unless there's it's a comedy and you get the laughs. You sort of have no idea what people are thinking yeah. about it. Oh, you knew exactly what was yeah. going on there. And that's great because you're getting young people into theatre. Yeah, it's only our theatre culture that teaches us not to sort of interact. I and mean, when I don't know when that happened, but I mean, you know, like, if you think about back in the day, down the road at the Globe, oh Jesus, are, yeah, of course. I think there was some period where we stopped doing that, but. Yeah, I think it's really cool. It means they're engaged and it means they're listening. Jeez, they're been chucking shit at the stage. Yeah, <laughs> in the character. Yeah. Out. A bit like Panto, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Um, where were we with that? Why did we get there? Well, we're just talking about how little bits of professional jobs Doing those things. So those all sort of youth art stuff, you know. And then... Um, and what were you thinking at this point? Were you thinking... I think that by then I knew I wanted to be an actor. Oh, I really? Because I used to... I wasn't noticed with like, I used to go to the theatre lots as a kid. I used to stay in and just watch TV. I watched like every show, sitcoms that I didn't know why people were laughing, but I was still like, I'm going to figure this out eventually. A bit like when you start watching Tom and Jerry and you can't read the bits. You know, the bits where the, when you're a little kid yeah. and you haven't learned to read properly. Yeah. And sometimes they hold the signs up of like, no danger or no, and you still don't know sure. what it is, but it's like, oh, I'll figure those out. Or oh, it's a newspaper headline that sort of swirls yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, I'll figure, I'll, there'll yeah. be an age where I do figure it out. And, and that was it with like stand-up comedy and all that kind of stuff as well. But um, I used to watch a lot, a lot, a lot of TV, I think. And I think, so I just, I didn't really understand it. I was like, oh, people volunteering. Um, you don't, you don't, you just don't know, do you? Like, no, of course you've got how, no frame of reference, have you? Yeah. So when, I, when that unicorn thing, theatre thing happened, I was like, oh, it's a proper job and all those little experiences. And 
Um, and I did, you know, someone was like, oh, you should do National Youth Day. So I did that. Oh, did you? I'm doing plays, yeah. And that's Hol- Holloway Holloway Road, Road yeah. yeah. Near the Coronet. Yeah. Um, although we never did go there. Um, you were too young. Yeah. And anyway, it wasn't the Weatherspoons at that point, I'm it sure. It probably was, yeah. It was probably <laughs> in the cinema. Um, so I did that. And yeah, like the, the, the actors I did the youth theatre with, like, I mean, you're talking about like, like I feel like every TV show you're on or... or uh, you probably had half of them on this on this podcast. Go on, drop them. See, see who was there. Tell it me was who was there. It was peers, like Susan Wakomar. Yeah, um, uh, uh, I can't think of anyone. Ashley Zangaza. Um, uh, God, there's so many actors. I suddenly can't think of them. Do you know what? As we go, I'll just pop names out. Just drop them. Yeah, but I'll pick them up. You just get, yeah, it was just it was just a really amazing time. So I think the youth fit sort of opened up from doing like two plays a year to like lots of different stuff. So what was that? Because because I never went to National Youth Theatre, but mm. I always kind of looked up to it. But I didn't really know anybody who went. When I, I remember seeing a poster at school, and I thought, "Oh, that looks right on my street," but I don't really know who to talk to about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, turns out that somebody had just put the poster up at school, but no one could really, really know about really it. Yeah, help or anything. Yeah. And also, it was London. You know, it's far away from me. So, what was that? Was that was that a summer thing or? Yeah, some kid at school was just like, I think it was in sixth form. He was like, "Oh, GCSE," and he was like, "Oh, you should do this National Youth Theatre thing." I'm doing it. So I was like, "What is it?" And yeah, you auditioned and then you did this like summer course. Right. Where like my check bounced and then we had to find the money. But, um, oh, so you had to pay for it? Yeah, you got to pay. You had to pay for audition as well. And it's still like that. Um, do, you, do you know offhand how much it is for a summer National Youth Theatre? I mean, I don't know how much it is now, but, but if you're resident and you're staying there, can, it's definitely over a grand. It's like, it's, it's, I, th- I think so, £800 or something like that. Right, okay. I don't want to say because I'm not sure and I don't no, want to say I mean, it's it, what it is. What I might do is I might um, do a little check and find out and then I can put it in the, yeah. the blurb of this yeah. when this episode goes yeah. out. Or but, a link that people can go yeah. to to find out. But I remember also auditioning. I didn't, I'd never done an audition before. Like, not like that. Like, the auditions for those other things were like workshops. Yeah. And I had to do two monologues, and it was like a modern and a classical. Oh, really? So it was like proper. It yeah. was proper. I was yeah. auditioning for drama school. And um, and we were doing Macbeth at school. So I just did that. We did the dagger scene. Of course. This is a dagger which just seen before me. And then the other one was like, monologue. Like, where do I find it? And then it had been about for a few years, Google. So I was on Google and I was like, monologues. And it was one about this, this, this guy who was trying to sell. Coca-Cola to these pregnant women being like, can we inject this thing into you? We'll give you thousands of pounds. And it's so the kid's like slightly addicted to Coca-Cola. Right. Or up, therefore we'll make more profit. Um, and uh, yeah, and, I, and I, the guy who, you know, was quite, quite sort of respectable now, he's Ed, oh, damn, but he was the old sort of artistic director who's passed away now, but he must've seen something because I was making it up. I mean, I was oh, sort of really? like improvising and which now you think actually that is good rather than a sort of, it's how just, we teach them to do, do, you know, how you should do work where it's like yeah. alive and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I was making up as a Shakespeare. I didn't really understand that you had to like learn it, learn it. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you hadn't at school. You don't really understand that you have to learn it and then work on it. How yeah, do you know that? Is, you, you didn't know any better. Yeah, you yeah, had yeah. no reference at all. We had this tennis teacher and he used to be an actor. So I like literally on the morning before I went to him and he was like, oh, you, you definitely need to learn it better. I was like, oh, okay. I just didn't know. Somehow I got a place and that was that. And I had a really great, great summer. But um, so, was yeah. It, was it, um, obviously, compared to school, you're going to the National Youth there and you're meeting lots of 
like-minded people who are wanting the same thing. Yeah, the non-aggressive, uh, the non... And people from around the country never heard people from Wales, from, from the north, like, seen on TV, but it's the first time you see other people from all over. Yeah. And everyone was super nice and friendly. And I think I did it quite young. I was in the sort of senior group, but I was quite young and... Um, I couldn't afford to stay in the... They have, like, a residence thing, which is obviously where, you know, everyone's staying in the same building, so it's really fun. But oh, I well, couldn't like afford that. Just to sleep over for, like... Yeah, because people are from all over the country. So, yeah, oh, it was, like, two weeks. Two, three, exactly three walks. Back. Wow. It was three weeks. It was at Guildhall when I did it. Um, and, um, and yeah, and so, so it was kind of like a... Yeah, it was a beautiful, positive, like, brilliant thing. Um, did things change within you because of that? Did your mindset change? about sort of the possible future and what you I think you it was a number of the things. I think it was all those things I've mentioned before together, really. I think I was right. at a point at that time. And I remember thinking when I was wanting to audition, I wanted to audition for Bristol Old Vic. Right. Because um, it was outside London. And my world at that time was violent. Like, it was horrible. So I thought that the whole of London was like that. Sure. Does that makes sense? Because yeah. you're my only relation, like relationship to my surroundings was school and where I, you know, I lived and stuff. So, yeah. so for me to get out of London and study was a really important thing. I thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I remember auditioning and I didn't really know what I was doing. You know what I mean? I, you don't, so you went to Bristol? No, I didn't go to Bristol. So you audition, you audition, I went oh. to audition and I, I ended up on the shortlist in the first year and I was at school. And I remember thinking, wow, like, oh, that's, that's, a, like, that's that was quite amazing. Right. So then the next year I auditioned, and I think I had a record central that first year as well. But I literally didn't. I mean, I was did, I did it all by myself. And then the second, I was waiting on the waiting list. And we were doing a show with ATS with Amanda's school, right? And she said, "Look, do you know yet?" And I said, "No." She goes, "Look, if you don't get in, I'm going to give you some. I'm going to give you free lessons, basically." So that's what she did. And so I'd go to her house and did she break down the speeches and. Yeah, hours and hours and hours and hours of, you know, after over a whole that period of time and she would... So she sort of became your me. mentor? Yeah, completely, yeah. completely. And um, uh, and then I remember thinking... I mean, because the audition for drama school is harder back then if you're not, um, you know, uh, middle to upper class white. Um, you know, it was it was a harder harder thing, I think, if you... What, 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 what do you mean it was harder then? Because there was, ne- there was less openness to... The barriers were harder that, you know, we've been working on the last three years to get rid of, you know, yeah. what you're needed and and the panels and what's expected of you. Like, I remember going to my Bristol the second time and the guy going, you're not using the iambic. And I'm like, how do I, I'm 19, how do I know what that, who's no one's ever taught the iambic? Yeah. This expectation that you know this stuff before you even get there. But also that I, that my voice, you know, I spoke like this, it's how I spoke. And so there was an idea that someone like me couldn't be. I remember being at a time like someone my colour as well. I was like, it's kind of me, other than Deacon, he's doing Killerhood. So I'll be like, Doing the different work, I'll be doing the trained version of that. Yeah, Deacon. Do you know what right, I mean? Yeah. Like I had this thing in my head that because I was like, oh, there isn't really anyone that's sort of mixed. Um, and and also the thing is, if you're told something like that at such a, a young age, then you start to believe it. That that like, oh well, it's nobody quite like you, but you have to fit into a certain mold. You have to be this type mm. to achieve any sort of goal going down this path yeah. of of this business. Because all the actors were. I mean, all the actors that you yeah. you go to auditions, everyone around you is of a certain ilk and, uh, I don't know if that's the right word, and then, and then the graduates you were seeing were. And 
for me, I everything I'd done before in the youth it had been quite accepting and managing and that youth there. It wasn't really my class or race or where I was or where I spoke wasn't ever a thing. It wasn't yeah. an issue. I always thought it was a I always thought it was a good thing, weirdly. Like I know sometimes I always thought it was a oh I'm different to everyone else, that's quite a good thing. Um But now looking thing? it is of course yeah. it's a good thing. But looking back, the when I think about, you know, the young people we work with, like the barriers were more. I mean the the the, the fact that like I remember Amanda because she went to Bristol. She I wasn't getting in anywhere and she, you know, she obviously she was quite a renowned actor, you know, one of their sort of big actors. Yeah. And she 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 phoned them and she said, Look, what's going on? Like, what have you got any feedback? What's going on? They're like, Yeah, we just don't think we can train his voice. And that and that's the kind of level you were dealing with, this idea that like you sort of have to have that perfect accent or voice before you even Already. Already. God. So in terms of that, and so when I got in, I, I so I, I didn't get in, um so I went to the Bristol recall, because you get automatic recall when you you know, if you've already had a final round. Did that was looking forward, you know, was hopeful, didn't get, got a definite no, not even shortlist that time. And then I didn't get any recalls at any other places. And I was like, Pfft. I had drama centre left, which I didn't really know about. Um, it wasn't one at the time. I think people do know now because uh, of, you know, graduates, but it wasn't one that was in my, central was down the road for me yeah. uh, at the school, but I, I didn't really know about that one. And and um, I'd already given up. I was like, I had an ex-girlfriend who'd gone to... Uh, um, Lee Strasberg in New York and she'd done this like three month course so I was like do you know what I'll save up and I'll do that and I'll go there and then maybe they'll want me when I come back or whatever and then I did my drama centre audition and someone from Amanda's school, uh, ATS thing was there and what on the panel uh, she was just auditioning as well oh right okay and um, I did my audition and I came out and I remember them asking me like and now I know it's Annie who's head of I was head of my head of acting and now tutors for, she's a core teacher rather and teaches, you know, it's one of our open door tutors. But she was asking me about like what it's like to grow up where I'm from, like discussion we're having. And I remember going, oh, I was talking so much rubbish, like, because I had this idea of how I needed to present myself on the rest of it. I think in my head I'd already given up. And I went back, came out of the audition. I was like, look, I'm going to go, going to go to the rehearsals because I'm not going to get a recall because they put a list up at Drama Center in the first round. She's like, no, no, stay. This girl was like, stay. And I was like, I just, what's the point? Like, I'm, it's not happening for me because people like me. And I also remember knowing, thinking that Drama Centre was known for like different kind of, different kind of actors, edgy yeah. actors. So I got in my head that I needed to grow a goatee. So I grew this goatee. <laughs> I just look like a weird sort of half Iranian David Brent. <coughs> I grew this gro- uh, goatee. Anyway, they came out and I went to the list and my name was on the list. And I was like, oh, okay. I've got a bit of a chance here. Right. Did the second round, the head teacher was there. Did that in the third round I had to, on the same day I had to make you had to tell this joke. They were like, be an animal. And this guy who I knew was like in the second year, he came spoke to me and he told me this story about Brando. Do you know the story that he was at training where he was training in America? Yeah. And they got him and his classmates to be chickens and go around and be chickens. And then she they said, A nuclear bomb has gone off. Um, Know, five miles away or whatever. So everyone was like, wah, 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 wah. everyone's going mad at chickens. And Brenner just sort of carried on as he did. And after they were like, look, why didn't you react? And he was like, well, a chicken's not going to know that a, a nuclear bomb's gone off. You know, they, doesn't, they didn't know it's no different. So I had that in my head. So I was like a chicken in this third final round. And everyone, of course, does like lions and tigers. Yeah. Girls and the boys. So I was this chicken and you had to turn it into a character. Um, and I was just like, geezer, do you know what I mean? Bobbing my neck a lot. Yeah. And uh, I told this joke, which won't be funny, uh, especially on a podcast. It's like, <laughs> knock, knock. I got someone, I was like, yeah, 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 can I use you? Knock, knock. 
who's there interrupting starfish, interrupting, and then I put my hand on their face, interrupting starfish, yeah. and everyone started laughing. You got a little, you got a little, little giggle over there from on. producer Griff, sat on the velvet sofa, you see? that reaches through people's ears. Yeah. Um, and laughed, and then I thought, you know, I've got a shot here, and and then within two, I did the recall the next week, and I was in, um, when I thought that was absolutely impossibility. Right. And I felt like they celebrated the fact that I was different. Um but still, when I started there, I mean, I didn't realise my class and race until I, until I went there. I, 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 I'd never, I'd questioned it. Expl- explain more. What do you mean? Well, that? like, when you grow up, everyone's mixed and yeah. you, you, you don't think about class because your world is that. Yeah. And then when you go into drama school, or at that time anyway, um, and what would have been the industry at that time, you realise, oh, like, I'm... I'm different. Like I didn't realize, and people would, yeah, just the way that oh, no one's like me. Everyone's, every, I mean, if you think that seven percent went to seven percent of the country went to private school, majority of people in the year went to private school. Yeah, right. Which makes no, you know, like makes no, no sense. Were you made to feel different there, or was it just a realization within yourself? Sometimes by my peers, because sometimes um, I get quite passionate. You know, I talk like, you know, with my hands and stuff. Yeah. Um, but I, I would never call myself aggressive. And I remember someone saying, oh, you're getting quite aggressive, which is a lot of the young people we deal with, they get told that. And you're like, no, no, that's just how they speak to each other. They don't want to like, but they're, they're just saying how they feel. Yeah. Um, and they're not angry. No one's going to hate each other. It's more passion than it's aggression. Just passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, oh, but why are we doing that? Oh, do you think maybe this? And so um, I remember that being a thing. But also like the first thing we ever did was Bernard Shaw, which is completely worthy. And not only dealing with the fact that like, I wasn't a fantastic reader, it was me, there's an actress called Katie West, um, and she was from Stockport, and she looked like that's one of the only schools she, she, um, she's always working at the exchange. Um, and she... Yeah, that's how I know the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah she's, you know, she's queen of theatre. And, uh, and there was a girl from Burnley, and I mean, there was another guy called Anthony in my year, but the rest, everyone else was of the same milk. And we, we had the diverse year. Right. You know what I mean? But it was like three people of colour and five working class people. But that was the diverse year, whereas the year below and above were pretty, yeah, everyone was. And thinking like these young, other kids in the class, they knew this world, this sort of, that, the world of the, the Bernard Shaw. Whereas we were like, I've got to change my accent, my body. We couldn't just act. We had to change everything. It was yeah. double work for us. Yeah. And, and you know, that is the one thing I would say. I, I, I never felt, I, there wasn't necessarily a race at drama set anyway, it wasn't a race, a race thing. I don't, maybe someone would argue not, but it was class. Yeah, but you have class to go, was a massive you have thing. to go from your own personal yeah. experience. Don't I you? would say class was a, was a, was a, was a big thing. And it was, ended up being a class divide because as often places in the institution, there's favoritism and, and the favorites were the people who had their idea of what an actor should look and sound like, you know? Right. And, and and I remember sitting in um, a Weatherspoons uh, in Farringdon. As any good was. student Come would on. do, David. When we had a class off, yeah. we'd go to Weatherspoons in the morning and we'd get the 199 breakfast. When that still existed, I don't know if it still exists. Griff's 199 breakfast still exists? I think it's 299. There you go. As in, thieves. Not that as much changed over the years. Mm. And, uh, but you, was, you felt, did you feel supported? When, when there was some sort of class divide? I think I was all right, because I think they thought I was reasonably talented. I was always in the middle, so I didn't get done over by parts. Right. It's a confidence thing, because you're made to feel like you can't do the work that they're doing. And because the work they're doing is so heavily classical, because you can't reach it straight away, you're sort of made to feel like you, you need to be like these students. 
And if you've got some old-fashioned teachers, which there's always some. Oh, absolutely. You've got a voice teacher who basically, I remember sitting in the sort of, uh, you know, the um, speech class, and every time I asked a question, she made me feel like, she was like, you need to speak better, basically. So I remember sitting in the class wanting to cry and being like, oh, I can't even use my voice. And which a voice to an actor is so, you're already in this sort of pressured environment. And I, I felt like I wanted to cry, you know. And like, they wanted to fit you in a certain mould. Well, that, it was worse. It was kind of like I, I wasn't where I needed to be. But I, I'm here to learn. Um, because their idea of what an actor needs to look and sound like, right, which was okay. at the time, that's what they thought it was. Even though yeah. the industry had moved on, it's definitely moved on the last seven years. But 10 or 11 years ago, there was still mainly classical work on the rest of it. But it was sort of like, yeah, it was that. And... I think that became, I remember sitting at Weatherspoons and just two tables because the favourites had sort of felt like there was a sort of hierarchy. They were the good actors. And well, they were certainly told and put They were in told, the so they thought, that's that what I mean. They were, yeah. yeah. And so we would sit on this other table and I was like, flipping out, like, that's mad. Why are we on two, two different, t-? apart from my friend Lola, um, is from a quite well-to-do background and like has you know a very famous industry dad, but but because she was from London, she, she was chilled. She 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 came with us, and it's right. not that we anyone hated each other. It was just like it was just this divide. Um, but do you think the divide was caused by how it was? The, it was the, caused the, by the students staff. were treated from the tutors. Yeah, 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 one hundred percent. Right, one hundred percent. And if you know, if you've got a young person, if you've got an actor who can't reach that Burnley shore straight away because why would they have ever done that? They've done some youth here in Burnley. And it doesn't come naturally to them. And it doesn't come yeah. naturally to them and it's work. They'll be judging the performance at that last thing. So in, in the head of that, tutor is like, oh, these are the good actors. They're not able to reach that thing without understanding that that student has to do triple the work of those other people. Everyone else just gets to act. But everyone else, has, but we have to worry about our body, our voice. I was London, so I guess I didn't have to, I didn't have a strong Midlands or Northern accent that I had to, and everything was RP. Everything had to be RP. It wasn't about speaking your own voice back then. So, wow. so there's people that just literally couldn't do it. If you can't, do, you've got to stop that student from doing it. If they can't do it, I mean, it's mad. Yeah, so then you work on the strengths that they do yeah, have. Yeah, and and you know when they come out, you you know you want to be able to have that skill. But it's it's if someone's really struggling, I mean, that's the thing. So I guess that led to how what you know my mindset of everything else. But it equally was a. I had the most amazing training and drama center back then was, I remember a lot of students had gone to like Rada and stuff and they were like, oh, we should have drama center because they knew the quality of the training at that time. Yeah. It was so good. Um, and it was always, it was quite renowned for its, there was always myths and legends around drama center. Because of the old days, trauma yeah. center. The trauma center, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And we heard those stories too. Yeah. Um, and I remember people going, oh, God, it's not like the old days. And I'm thinking, the old days sound terrible. <laughs> they sound terrible. And what Annie and, and Vladimir did, because I know it's, I'm talking about class stuff and, and it's, it's, you know, okay, I've, I guess I've criticised the time there, but what they did do is get rid of all that. It became a place where you you weren't in fear. No teachers were horrible to you. Yeah. If they was, you can go to her and they'd have a word. We had this voice teacher who was a bit... Um, uh, I don't know, I'm going to be bad to him, but I won't say his name, then we'll be all right. He was called the master of voice, he'd named himself. Yeah, we can always beep it out, it's fine. Um, what, he gave himself... I think he was called master of the voice at the Globe at the time. Right. And I think he came in and he'd wear Armani suits and there was um, some incense play, uh, playing, but getting burned Smoking off. away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, like, he would talk and he would tell these stories that were actually 
he would talk about how like he met someone and they turned to a raven in front of him. You're dealing with stuff like that. So he, he talked about this, mystical... this, is, this is stuff that he believed or these were stories. He said it happened. He said it happened to him. So he talked about this story, how he was in... Riff, get on the Google with this guy. I'm going to put this in the link. <laughs> he now does like um, uh, help kind of, yeah, that kind of stuff, spiritual help kind of stuff now. I don't sure think he, he gets employed by, okay. uh, as, a, as a voice right. teacher. But I remember hearing these stories. There was one where he went, um, I was in Native America with my Native America. He was in, because later on he uses them. He was in a forest in North America. And he was sunbathing already. I'm like, why are you sunbathing in a forest? But we're there. And the, the wind was going and the trees stopped. And I heard, and this tribe of Native Americans came. And they said, you are the, um, <laughs> you are the uh, ancestor of a great shaman. And my friend from the Bronx who'd come from America at the time, Tony was like, that never would have happened. They hate white people. Like they killed them all. Like that never would have happened. And the shaman took me. He spoke like this. He took me into the forest and I saw him turn into a raven in front of me. And he taught me the, the shaman ways. And I, they then gave me this drug. And you know, like that thing that, that people do, don't they, to get high based for two days and it makes what, you feel like awful. Ayahuasca. That, that, yeah. That's basically what he said. So that I understood that that could have happened. And he was put into a cave and he was naked in the cave. And he woke up and he was being dragged by a donkey up the mountain. And he woke up and he could speak to the, I could speak to the animals. Right. So you're dealing with that. And because these young people are like, oh, this is a massive main school. Like I got to look up to these people. And people are like that. And me and my mate Tom were like, he was like laughing into his water bowl because we're like, this is this is actually mad eventually we clocked on them because we just never did any voice work I mean we did a poem we'd be like you need to speak lower and so you have people just going good speaking low all the time there was never any voice work um, and so eventually which now I think about it makes sense I was like they brought this speech teacher in and she was new and then she, now she's ended up speaking lots of schools and I don't know if she's even in drama schools anymore because she's so um, sort of um, wanted and she made me feel loads better my voice. She was like, oh no, like it's fine. It's just muscles. If you do this and this and this, it will get better. And suddenly I was like, oh, like, yeah, it's just a muscle. My diction can get better. And, and then he wanted to um, get someone else in her, her, her place. So I started this petition and I was like, this is the fine. We've got a voice teacher that's good. And this has to stop. Like we've literally not had any voice because at the time the voice wasn't great. And that's what happened. And she stayed and eventually his hours got, and then you know because everyone after years realized it just wasn't any good but um <laughs> but i guess yeah so i guess even I then i was doing things like so that. long for yeah it took two and a half years we had a, we had a good we had a voice teacher by the end fucking hell i think i think especially back then because i think voice because of the things we we're talking about like voice is such a massive part and you're telling someone their voice ain't right um there's something wrong what the damage that can do is quite heavy. Like it's quite huge. Not letting them speak. And you're going, oh, that's your accent, that's your dialect. Because this, this RP thing is like a made up, you know, it's not even like an actual real dialect from the real yeah. place, but it's this standard thing. But it doesn't mean it's the right thing. If you go to the North, like this idea that like, you know, we see on TV, we see lawyers and they've always generally got an RP accent. Be like, if you go to the North, there's a lot of lawyers with Northern accents. That's just the standard. You I, go I, to I Wales. I a lawyer in my time, yeah. David. I'll tell oh, you. you've broken I, the mould. I, I was very North. <laughs> you've broken the mould. But like that's, you know, that, that idea of it. Um, so yeah, it had that stuff. It had the class, but the training was amazing. 
And I, I think I felt very lucky to have gone there. And although I had this idea of what I wanted to go to Bristol and the rest of it, I was so glad that someone like me went to drama centre, which was so thorough and but was about like, acting. Like, you learn about acting as opposed like to like were, sword you, fighting. You know, you wanted to go to Bristol because you were heavily influenced because Amanda went to Bristol. So it's a very... Yeah, and I wanted to leave London because I thought the whole course, world was going to... there gonna... so many factors in that. Now, obviously I don't touch on work that much when I talk to actors anyway, big for all sorts of reasons, because, right. you know, it's kind of dull and, and I want to get to know the person. I mean, not just for me. I, I don't want it to be dull for yeah, yeah. for actors coming and going, oh, we talk about this job. And, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes part and parcel of, 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 sure. of the job anyway. But what I'm so interested about and stuff that I don't know about and I want to educate myself a bit more is the very start, the, the germ of the idea of Open Door. Yeah. Where did it come from and when did it start? So, and for people who are listening now who don't know what Open Door is, me and David are going to be discussing this now, yeah. so you will un- you'll start to learn more okay, fine. about what so it I is. So I still start at the beginning. I think so, yeah. So, I think it's a really good place to start with it. Yeah. So, and I'm uh, saying this from a selfish point of view because I don't know and I yeah, really yeah, want yeah, to know, yeah, yeah. you know? It's good. Um, so... I worked with young people since I was about 17 in Dream Arts. They taught young people to teach young people, which I think is really good. You're getting facilitators from the area to work with people. Because mo- actually, in participation, the average, like most people are sort of um, uh, white middle class females. That's just general participation work as a whole. So I think it was really good that they got people from the thing to teach young people and, and yeah. set them up. And that's probably what led to it. And so I started teaching little ones. Uh, and then after time, I was doing more facilitating, and I was um, I did stuff in National Youth Theatre and peer stuff, and which included some work in some um, young offenders and all that. And then I become associate, and I was when I graduated, and I was sitting on panels. But I'd sort of taught and facilitated for a long time. And when I graduated, I also worked in a school part time. It was a, uh, a school that was doing amazing work, but a very deprived area in South London, sort of very like white working class and. African and East Asian, that was sort of the the, the mix of the, the school okay. in Kidbrook. And I'd travel like two and a half hours to get there. Right. Um, right Were you still in Wheels then at this point? I was still in Wheels. I yeah. had to travel right across. And um, and I, what what I kept seeing with all these things is that young people didn't know how to do it, how to get into it. They didn't really know that drama school was a thing. Um, there just seemed to be this massive gap between, but with, with knowledge. So when, when I remember doing... Um, National Youth Music Choir or something like that. I, I applied for it when I was younger. And the teacher at school was like, in, in music, I was like 15 or whatever. It was like, you should apply for this. And I said, okay, what songs are doing? She was like, Wonderwall and something else. So I go into the the audition, rehearse with a teacher. And again, I'm in this audition room going, everyone, no one looks like me. No one <laughs> sounds like me. And I heard this warming up on the side, you know, which I now I know is like scales and stuff. But I didn't know. So I'm like, oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, oh, what's all this? And then they were like, David, you can warm up now. And I was like, I don't know how to, I don't know how to warm up. So I just sung my song really quietly in the corner. Uh, and then this person came in and I went in and did my songs and I didn't get a place. Fine. The next year I went again and she said, you should go again. And I went. And, um, and when I got there this time, they said, oh, you're the Wonderwall boy. So, so I've been a they joke. Were, they remembered you. They remembered you because I've been a joke. Because I'd oh. been, I'd been starting to laugh at. I'd been starting to be like, "Oh, he came and did Wonderwall," and which was like, you know, a ballady version. I didn't know guitar out, but 
it's like, it's that idea that like, you're expecting these people to understand, like if there are these rules, you need to tell them if there's specific yeah. songs you want to do. But the fact that I'd sort of been talked about and laughed about. Um, so when I used to do auditions for National Youth Theatre, always run over and I especially always run over because I thought it was pointless that these people are coming in and not telling them what they need to do. Yeah. So we you know there was like this 14 year old mixed race, mixed race boy who came in and did Professor Snape from Harry Potter and just had some lines saying, you know, be quiet Hermione, be quiet Ron. And so I, was, so I took my time to be like, hey, like find a speech like this, something your age, something you connect to, think about this. So they get something from the audition. So when they come back next year, they're, they're, they're coming with something. Yeah. Because no one's telling them that they need to be truthful. Well, if people aren't given or, the knowledge, what are they supposed to do? Yeah. And the other reason I felt there were a lot of things that I felt were quite exploitary of young people, people paying hundreds of pounds for two nights a week or a night a week. And there's like this pyramid sort of scheme. So it's kind of like um, beginner, beginner two, beginner three, intermediate, into three, intermediate two, intermediate three, professional, semi-professional, blah, blah, agency at the top. So, you know, I'm obviously trying not to name a certain thing, but it's about money. It's yeah. not about nurturing any talent. It's about this idea that I'm going to get you a job. Um, you can be in the agency and all that kind of stuff. Um, and there's a lot of things like, you know, those sort of stage schooly things, which we can set up any day. We don't have to have, we, we can just set up a branch. Well, um, I've spoken about this in the past that anybody can set all this yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember you might have seen it maybe a year or 18 months ago, somebody had posted on social media that they were doing a weekend course of, you know, acting for the screen mm. with this, some sort of renowned actor. And I had to look him up, never heard of him at all. This is it, they call it a masterclass. And they call it a masterclass. And they're charging upwards of like £80 per day. Yeah. And it's like, this is... They're money-making. Well, we're exploiting... Young people. I that's a so. lot of fucking money. Especially if you if your organization is deemed at a certain um target group. Well it is a target group. And you're telling that it's accessible and actually it ain't. And and often what happened, I saw a lot that drama schools, people would say, drama schools are too expensive, this is what you should do instead. Right. And so I saw the sort of um pushing down of drama schools and their reputation. Yeah. And that's what they do, because they call their things drama schools. And you're like, that's not what it is. Your acting course. And if they say, oh, we come do some acting classes, beautiful. That's fine. And, and, and being transparent about it is great. But to call it a drama school in the same way where, where people are doing, you know, all this, you know, some of the best teachers in the country every day, hours, of, you know, every week. You can't compare that to. And to say that you're a drama school, I just think there's something about it that's not quite... Um, Genuine, and it's quite, well, quite it dis, and you're not it's certainly not accredited. You're so. not accredited. Who's crediting it? <laughs> yeah. So you know, we deal with a lot of people that come from some of these organisations that come with horror stories. Like I've been in this for four years, and actually, then I was told to pay more, and I have to wear a t-shirt. I have to wear the t-shirt, the brand new. I'm not allowed in the class. Oh. Um, people that have the age, they're in the agencies, and they go, "Well, you're not working at the moment, so you have to go back to the classes." Essentially, you're not making money for us in the agency, so you have to go and you have to go and pay for classes. I mean, it's Wax, that bad. It's like a fucking sweatshop. It's just bad. Yeah. And and then, so the ex exploitation, the fact that young people didn't know how to get into it. And the other thing was also that I was, I'd, I'd sort of done bits of tutoring. Sometimes I'd done it for free and sometimes depending on the income of the person. And there were these twins, um, Mari and Leah, and they were helping out with the National Youth Theatre auditions. They'd already members and they were sort of helping. They see how I was working with the people coming to audition and, and um, 
So they were like, hey, look, I'm auditioning for drama school. Will you have a look? So I got talking to them and they told me how their father passed away and their mother wasn't really coping financially. So they were, they were helping out. And I said, look, why don't I help you over that period of time? And so I helped them with their speeches and all that kind of stuff. And they, one got into Guildhall, one got into RADA. Wow. And then since graduated, one's done a show at the bridge and 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 um and the other one um they both were in this you know they were making a spin-off of game of thrones yeah i mean i don't think the pilot's gone through but they were in the pilot so if it'd gone through it so i was like how Brilliant. can i do that on a bigger scale so first i was like oh let me um let me just go back to old drama center and last for eight auditions but the first time i spoke to it was my mate um amelia amelia clark who's in my years now a patron and i started to ask i've got this idea and i just i kept seeing twitter like everyone just going Everything's wrong. Um, these people need to do this. And I'm just like, no one's doing anything. Everyone's just moaning about it, which is, you know, the often state of uh, social media. Yeah. And I just realized like, oh, maybe people don't know because what I've actually come up with isn't that innovative. Like it isn't, it isn't some um, new idea. When I set it up, as we'll talk about in a sec, everyone was like, oh, I can't believe this didn't exist before. Um, and so, so uh, I remember speaking to Amelia and I was like, I've got this idea. And I was like, would you be a patron? And she was like, yeah. Um, but the thing didn't really exist. So I went to drama, I got eight. I went to speak to Amanda. And she said, look, I think you should start small. I was like, okay, I'm, I'll start small. So I went for eight. And then through a cast director called Nadira Sukuma. Right. She heard about it. So I had a meet with her and she knew with Royal Welsh. So I got eight from there. And then I went with Rada and they offered 30. So I went back to all the others. I was like, look, they're offering 30. Can you give me 30 auditions, free auditions? Because free auditions didn't really exist. Now there's lots of fee waivers and stuff. But three yeah. years ago, that, that wasn't a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so once I had those three, I was like, everyone's going to seem really mean if they don't give it. You know, this is it's politics. Like the well, whole thing, my life... people will follow suit. That's yeah, the thing. My life is very political these days. And you have to sort of just, yeah, if you're dealing with big institutions and people and sometimes ego. And yeah, but also you're fighting for change. Yeah, yeah, but you have to, you can't, my tactics tend to not just like kick the door down. My tennis try, my tactics more and sort of, um, you know, cuss people on Twitter and social media. I tend to do it behind the scenes. I tend to try and get people a bit more positive about it. And yeah, but you go in with such a sort of calm and savvy approach. I mean, do you remember when... A couple of years ago when we did that panel mm, on the BFI, BFI. Mm. and there was a lot of anger from yeah. certain people coming in the audience. And it's like, don't walk into the room with all that anger because you've already lost. Yeah. You've already lost. Yeah. You, you don't, people are not going to respect you and your voice means nothing yeah. because you've gone a bull in a china shop. It's fine to have the anger, of course, that passion, all that stuff. But if you can sort of channel it in a way exactly. that is effective. Exactly, it's how it's channeled. Yeah. Because I think, I do think... It, Oh, I need to talk about what it is still, but like it, it's taken a massive chunk. My life changed, like my, it, without sounding too um, like a martyr. Like it, it's sacrifice. Like my life is, is changed. But if you, but, but I think if I just think if you really care, I think you should do something about it. Yeah. and that's what that's what happened. So I, I I put my money where my mouth is, and I I did this film and I did this this TV job, and I was like, right, I had three hundred. I thought I used three hundred pounds of it, and I'll get someone roof, and now it's full time for us who um, was an actress, become an actress again, producer, and worked a lot of young people. And I was like, I'm going to give you this and we're going to apply for Arts Council money. But before that, I tried to give it to the old Vic. They don't know, I tried to give it to them, but Alex Ferris, who's our trustee, who was head of participation then, I said, look, I've got this idea. Uh, I, 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 I haven't got time to do it because the acting was going all right. I said, I haven't got time to do it. I think, you know, but because they did all the new voices and all that stuff, I thought it was a good home for it. He said, like, I think you should do it. I think it will happen quicker. Have you thought about Arts Council money? I thought Arts Council money was just for plays. And he said, no. 
So we went for the lowest of the low, went for that, for the 15 grand, the sort of, yeah. the max of that sort of lower thing. And it, the first year was just me and a broken computer and I had someone working part-time three days a week, had a bit of money and I was, I moved back home because I thought I can't afford to, um, I won't be able to have another job. So I, you I just need I, to balance that out. Yeah, so I had to move home because I because I, I can't do all three things. I can't I can't bring home you know nine hundred pounds for rent or whatever. So um, so yeah, so we, we got this arts council money. Got all the schools involved. All any theatres I'd ever worked at. I just said, hey, look, if you've got space free when you're not using it, could things happen here? And everyone, not everyone, people, some people were so. Some people were so um, positive, but people have admitted after like, yeah, I thought you were dreaming it wasn't going to happen. I remember someone saying to me, why are you trying to change the world? I was like, no, nah, I just, I've got some people into drama school, so I reckon I can just get a few more people in. That's what it was to me. Fucking hell, that's negative. Yeah, so it put me off for a bit. And that same person texted me once it launched and it sort of made a bit of a fuss. They launched off, I was like, if there's anything you can do, I was like, we well, should have been a bit more positive when I was first going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so, so... So I went to drums, got the theatres involved and that's where the space, you know, that's where the work would happen. Um, and then, and then what else? The patrons, I, you know, got a few more patrons and stuff and asked Amanda and there was Amelia and Woody Harrison, which everyone's a bit confused by because he's an American movie star. But I did this film called Lost in London, which was this live film. And with, so, uh, with Peter Ferdinando. Yeah. Yeah. And as we were shooting it, it was getting streamed to cinemas. So we had to practice like a play. So, and the, the space that sort of Woody allowed, it, we all got on. It was just a really an amazing experience. And so I just remember going, I remember talking to him about it. And then my working class mind, which is one of the biggest barriers goes, oh no, like don't ask people for things. And I, I remember just going to Ruth, I was like, I just WhatsApp him. I just WhatsApp him. I was like, Woody, you know that thing that I told you about? Would you just like, would you be a patron? You don't have to do much. Maybe like send a tweet or whatever. Um, I'm going to ask him to do more now but like, yeah. that's it and he was like yeah okay cool dude sounds good and suddenly you know suddenly that's how it happened so I think people are a bit confused by that and so when it when it launched it kind of went a bit mad I remember launching it and going oh what happens now um, <laughs> and it kind of just hit off on Twitter and it could have been because got all the drama schools um, all those big theatres the patrons but I think it was the idea itself yeah. And the fact that everyone was like, why hasn't this happened before? Yeah. I thought this already existed. Because it's just mad to think that it didn't happen. So people paid 2,000 pounds. Like, people paid so much money. It was just about outside London after trains and stuff, you know, only 2,000 pounds. People people just couldn't get it even in the door. And I remember when I, it's an open door. And I remember when I set it up, I was like, I've got to make sure I have, you know, um, ethnic minorities representation but I knew it had to be about talent I don't, I don't want to do any positive discrimination or tick boxes because I think just it's, it's, it undermines the talent of the young people but also the fact that uh, every young person should have a chance to be educated yeah yeah, yeah. and the door should be open yeah yeah That's yeah 100% the bottom line is that 100% and I think that what we end up in is that two thirds of the people that applied were ethnic minorities which is surprising to me but yeah because all we've been told is that they don't exist. These actors don't exist. You know, we need to encourage more people. It's like what people have said about the Oscars, right? Like, we need more female directors. And that woman was like, there's They're female there. directors, just got to give them jobs. They're there. Uh, exactly. So, so, so that's what happened. And the same with the tutors. I just got all the people I ever wanted to, you know, all the people I respected and wanted to work with. And, you know, people like Roy is now like, Roy Alexander's like, yeah, now yeah. the exchange. Yeah. And he's still doing stuff for us. Someone from Sheffield who goes there for tutoring. Um, people that I thought were good at acting and were just nice would know how to sort of nurture that talent. And also and people with clout. Yeah. 
Yeah, definitely. With, I mean, you know, I was smart. I know. I know. I mean, who else would give me space? But I know having those theatres would help. I know having those patrons would help. I know all of that. I also knew that that would encourage young people to sign up because it sounds like a fancy thing. Yeah. Um, and I just sort of learned from all the things that I'd ever been involved with in an organisation. I was like, what are the good bits? What are the bits that need improving? So originally I was just going to tutor at eight. And then United Agents, who I'm represented by, my agents heard about it, sort of sent out the line and they pledged a certain amount of money for three years, which meant I was able to tutor all 30. Because I realised actually no one cares about the eight. They care about all the 30 that were going to do it. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'm going to have to tutor all of them, like find the time to do it. <coughs> and so that's what happened. And but how did you find the time? Because you were doing this by yourself. Oh, I didn't, I mean, I didn't sleep. I mean, I want to say I didn't sleep, like... I would, I was working eight hours a day, like if that's possible, like it was, it was, I'd get home, it's, you know, eight o'clock or whatever. I've probably got some lines to learn for an audition because just come the night before and I've got all these emails and things to send because I knew it had to be of quality. I had that, that first year had to bang, it had to, it had to work um, to the best it hit. And I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to let anyone down who'd, who'd put a, you know, so much free stuff that people give us. Yeah. Um, and I didn't want to let those young people down. And I needed it to work. And I'd be like, all right, well, I'm up till 2 a.m. And that's what happened. I got up and people knew me then. And that first year, like, if you think I speak fast now, I was, I was, um, I mean, my mind was just, I, yeah, it was yeah. just, it was just, because you're just constantly trying to solve problems at that level and, 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 and make things work. You know, it's not exaggeration. It was just me and a broken computer and Marshall on three days a week who did way too, way too much. Um, and I was, what, 400 pound a month or whatever. So acting suffered, like, you preparation, you know, I've got a meeting with you and I've got to tutor a young person, but you give me the audition for tomorrow. Well, I can't, can't not do that. Yeah. So sometimes the preparation was bad and I started to worry about, it. but I think what was amazing, my agents were so supportive of it. And you know, like you're not supposed to say like, Hey, look, can they see me Thursday instead? You know, you're not, but that's what, that's what it is. And that's what it still is. You know, I'm like, look, yes, but can, is that possible? Yeah. But you're prioritizing what's, what's important. Yeah. You know, and this is, and now I'm trying to find a balance. Change your life. Yeah. Now I'm trying to find a balance again. And, and and it and it and I think it did take its toll. It was it was. Um, did not have a social life? Did didn't it, have a. Did it ever become too much? Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Yeah, so I mean, did, I mean, what did you do to change things then? I sort of just the second year when we were going to go, I said, if we don't get the money we do to have someone else full time, yeah, I'm not doing it. We need to pause it for a year, because. Right. And we went ambitious straight away. We were like, East Mids. Because when we launched, there was people that were critical. Like, why is it in London? You're like, it's just, it's just me, man. Like, I'm I not an organisation. Like, if you want to set up in, in, I don't know, Derby, set up in Derby. Like, I, 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 you do it. I'll help you. I'll give you our arts thing. Because that's the thing about the Twitter thing. It's like, my intention is always to go out. But I don't know one there yet. I need this to work here. Um, and, and. Uh, you need to. I remember. I remember. I remember this distinctly because people go, "Well, why is it just in London?" But it's like, well, we need to get this model completely sound first yeah. before we take it yeah. anywhere else. I don't know no one anywhere else yet. Yeah, I know these good tutors. I know the theatres, but also I live here. Yeah, but you know, people people are ready to criticize before they've actually done any research in it. Um, but I try to balance it out. I don't have fights on Twitter. I try to be like, hey, cool, well, this is what we're doing. And if you, I'm happy to help you with an application if and you hopefully are. one day. And they were, um, yeah, hopefully one day. And um, But when we did the first show in, 
Should I say what it is? Yeah. <laughs> so what they do, um, each young person that first year got a free audition at Radha Lambda Guildhall Drama Centre, Royal Welsh. Now we've added Royal Scotland and Drama Centre is in a bit of turmoil at the moment, so there is no, no Drama Centre this year. Um, and they get one-on-one tutoring with the people I mentioned, Steph Driscoll, Ryan Alexander, like just really amazing people, myself at the time, on the Shakespeare, on the, on the moderns and all that kind of stuff. They get a series of workshops every two weeks, um, working with moving directors like Polly Bennett and people at the top of their game. Yeah. Again, it's just friends like Polly Bennett. Was, I was in a shoe theater and I play with her. Do you know what I mean? It's just, it's just favors and friends. And, you know, we were paying them, but very little, um, and in that first year anyway, and they go to the theatre for free. So they saw plays, you know, Donmar, uh, Royal Court, um, all that kind of stuff. They all just gave free tickets. So they went to see free shows. Oh. And where they do the work is in those buildings. So they get used to being in those buildings. That idea that they don't um, belong in there or like these are bigger than me. Yeah. Um, Rada gave us free space in, in the first year in Central. So they're already in those drama schools as well working. Um, and so when it comes to it, it's less scary. Um, and they also, there's a hardship fund. If they can't get to sessions or whatever, we can help out. Now, sometimes we pay for lunch. If they, if it's a full day and they actually don't even have that much money, they can't afford the books or whatever, the plays, we can do that for them. Um, and what else did they get? They get a buddy each, a person from industry that's perhaps a fully uh, similar background who's gone to drama school to just someone else to speak to. And that's actually really hard. It was actually really hard to find working class actors who had gone to drama school that that work which kind of says some stuff right yeah, yeah, yeah. the talent kind of finds other ways of, of coming out yeah because it can't quite couldn't quite get through the door um and and i was like if i'm lucky i'll get one on two in because you know it's three four thousand people applying for and some schools at six thousand for you know 28 places 30 places and what we ended up with, with was with over 300 recalls 86 final rounds and 35 offers which kind of like is a bit like is it is actually mad, and I think that so um, places like Guildhall, which at the time they would have admitted it was quite white middle class, had been yeah. for a while. Nine of them had an offer, so a third of the year was made up just from this one scheme of offers. Wow. Um, um, and so, and yeah, and so now in the first two, you know, I think at the moment there's like eight people at Rada between the two years. There's like twelve at Royal Welsh. It's like six at Lambda, there's a ton at Guildhall. Yeah, someone's described it, it might have changed the landscape a bit. Um, I think it really has, definitely. Well, and I think just, and and just the the conversation about access. um, And and you're starting to see a change, and I'm not necessarily saying because of what you've you've done, but also in a way I kind of am. Yeah, it's really hard to... um, uh, uh, quantify or or say uh, the impact it's had if the schools have made changes themselves. But I know a lot of the changes have had come. I used to be a bit shy about saying that, but I'm not anymore. Like a lot of it has come from that. So Rada and Lambda now have um, obviously Sarah's changed since that that audition fee. But 25, you know, anyone under the um, income of 25,000 has a free audition. And um, there's now. Um, uh, there's also uh, travel bursaries and things like that. Brilliant. Talking about the panel, changing the panel was one of the biggest stuff. You know, it's the first time they've ever had 30 young people give unbiased feedback. You know, they're not worried about, oh, I better not say anything bad in the feedback form because they might not take me, um, about the schools. So sort of talking about how one school, for example, a lot of the auditions found it quite hostile, your panel. Yeah. It wasn't a space where they can go and perform. And if you think about it, it's kind of mad. Like if you in any workplace have um feel like you can't 
everyone hates you and it's a bit hostile. You don't do good work. You don't feel valued and you don't do good work. Of course you don't. It's ridiculous. And if you're about a young person who's, you know, got an overnight train from Scotland all the way down, a coach, and they're there for 10 minutes. And Already like, under so much pressure on yeah. that journey. And they've had one, one audition, two auditions, because all they can afford. So the pressure on that audition. Um, and, and they're knackered because they've been on that overnight coach and then they're treated badly. How are they going to do good work? Exactly. It's about creating space. So we start questioning about who are on these panels because if you've got someone who's only done the RSE 50 years ago, perhaps their idea of what a woman looks and sounds like is, is different. What an, uh, uh, an actor should look or sound like is different. And I just think if, if they have never worked with young people, never worked with young actors, so either they're members of staff or they work with young actors regularly, or they are regular working people in the industry, yeah. I'm not sure what their place on the panel is. Um, and so it's sort of bringing those questions into place. That's and so interesting. What is the diversity in its truest form, not just yeah. about um, race, but in all the different aspects of class um, is, the, is, 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 is going on with those panels. Um, and I think class is the thing that's always been missed out. Um, I think a lot of actors have talked out about it. Um, James McAvoy, people like, you know, all that kind of thing. But I think Open Door, I would say that sort of made that conversation a little bit bolder without saying it. We say low income because because of what it is and yeah. in terms of it, you have to have a low income. But obviously we can measure class in lots of different ways. Absolutely. But I don't think class was actually at the top of the thing. And now you've seen the Arts Council change the social, you know, all that kind of stuff yeah. and, and how do we quantify class and all the rest of it. So I would say that that's one of the things. I think the conversation about class has happened, um, access about making drama schools were in a place where they were becoming irrelevant. You know, people were sick of the, 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 the what they were seeing at the showcases, whether it's not the talent wasn't necessarily, it's not, it's not anything bad on the, the students were coming out, but there was a lack of different type of actors coming out. Um, the, the type of plays they were doing. Well, it was an access um, issue as well. Which know? is the biggest point. Exactly. So when that, and when, you know, I heard, you know, the big chat about, um, you know, after Act for Change and, and all that stuff that started, started the conversation, I was like, yeah, and it's not like these actors don't exist. Of course they did. But to be doing the the, the level of work that and the um, range of work you want them to be doing, well, we need to start from the bottom because yeah. they've, all these actors have been sort of repressed and oppressed for a long time. So yeah. let's make a generation of actors and, and... And let's let them know that it is accessible. It is accessible. And, and so those kinds of talk about how do we teach and, and what are we... Access the biggest one, panels, regional auditions. How do they travel there? Can, do we need four rounds in one place on four different days? Like, that's four train fares. <laughs> yeah. Even administratively, isn't it easier to make sure two rounds are on one day? I see you, hour later, go into the other panel. It's surely cost effective. But all it was is that these things hadn't been looked at because it hadn't really been an issue. We get the talent coming through, what we want. And... At that time, I felt that drama schools were starting to seem irrelevant. And I think now that people have got a bit more excited about them again, or that there is a possibility. You know, we talked to a lot of school teachers, even, even you know, in the last two days, I've been doing these um, uh, school teachers at um, National Theatre who come up and, and take workshops. And we were doing stuff about sort of drama schools and, yeah. and, and monologues and how to work with young actors. And they would talk about the fears they have about the mental health of these young people or the stress they're under or like, oh God, they're even going to take the young people that I work with. And it's about convincing those youth theatres as well um, that these are places for them, that they're not going to come out and with an RPX. And actually now drama schools are, people are celebrating the access they have and all the rest of it and reassuring them because there had been years of neglect. There had been years of where this stuff hadn't happened. And then the industry as well going, I think personally, if you get, if the drama schools become irrelevant and go, unless you're from London, really, it's super hard. 
here's a place I want to be an actor. I don't know much. I can go train and there's a bit of a showcase at the end. Because, you know, if, if, if Shane Meadows didn't happen to be cast in This Is England at that time, if Skins weren't doing open auditions at that time, there's whole generations of working class actors, especially we talk about the East Mids, you know, if yeah. it wasn't for TV Workshop, like, then you wouldn't see them. Absolutely. Um, and, and, the, and, the, and the organization that come from that afterwards. But you, you're talking about a massive lack of, just just bundles of young people and young actors that we just don't get to see who are brilliant. Um, so how we, what we see as good acting as well and what is the industry that we're actually trying to make these actors for? Do we need two lessons of period dance a week? I don't, why? 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 Yeah. Why do we, why do we do that? We'll probably learn it on set if I have to do it. Or, or that much stage, you know, fighting. Um, uh, most people in action films are probably never went to drum school anyway. Yeah, you get someone who's like going to do a punch. You, go, you think, oh, well, it's just because it's always been the way. Mm. That's mean, it. Doesn't mean that it has to continue to be the way. Yeah. And a lot of time, like, it's, it's more because the drama schools were quite um, inward looking and insular. Yeah. Um, uh, they're really busy. There's a lot going on. You know, how much, the, how much do the teachers go to the theatre? And have they have, and then, and the, you know, even the industry, we've been in it in the last seven years has changed drastically. Still, when I came out and graduated, there was still a lot of classical work and all the rest of it was done in a certain way and certain people um, were doing it, you know. Yeah. They were definitely all white cast. They were definitely, you know what I mean? Um, and, but it moved quick. Like it, it's, we've, we've changed a lot in the last seven years. Yeah. There weren't even female artistic directors like that didn't exist. Like it's, that's wild, right? Like yeah, it's crazy and, to think and like crazy that crazy thing like that. And, 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 and the, and the, and the um, most of them were uh, white males from Oxford and Cambridge. That was just a standard thing for any artist director. Yeah. So it's changed so drastically. Um, of course, there's more to go, but it has. Exactly. For us, I lived both times. I was at the beginning of it. it. It has. And I think that all that happened is they didn't quite catch on that. They didn't see the work that was happening. And there are some schools that have and always have, like, um, I won't never say anything that hasn't, but Royal Welsh, you know, um, there's a guy called Dave Bond who's retiring. He's been the head of acting there for 25 years and he's he's raised that school up, you know. It's it's one of the top schools at the moment and because they were they have been on, on, on creating actors that are working actors that are relevant and, you know, every time I went for a meeting and I was, I, I'm trying to convince someone that drama school is still a good idea and all that kind of stuff and I go, well, look at Royal Welsh and they're like, oh yeah, I know, yeah. And when I go into castings and people want to talk about it in castings, what I'm up to and all the rest of it, and they're like, oh yeah, Dave Bond, we know Dave Bond. Because he understood that there has to be a connection with the industry. It's not a separate thing. You have to keep in touch and know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and it's not about networking, networking. It's about going, well, hang on, what's going on? How are we creating it? What, are the work, what is the work we're doing and for the time that we're in? What's relevant? It's like, I remember in my second year at drama school and also very, very set tutors who were there. They so were, did you go to drama school? Yeah, then? they were in the building, right? And then we had outside directors come in who were working in the industry today mm. and, well, everything changed because I went, well, wait a minute. You're giving me a completely fresh perspective and you're working, mm, 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 you know, you've got your finger on the pulse because you're doing it. Yeah. You're directing or you're acting or you're out there and you're not in this cocoon. Yeah. So you're not following the footsteps of what it has always been, what it shall always be. Yeah. It's completely different. Well, how do we better our practice? How do I still want to learn more? Exactly. Um, and I think that, I think what is really positive, just even, we had a Q&A with um, part of the process. They have, they have like graduating 
just graduated students or yeah. third years of each drama school come and and two of them were open door people in their second year and I was like I remember talking to them going you know things are kind of changing um but they weren't and a little bit people were talking about it and last year I was like okay we're kind of in like a changeable time and this year I'm like oh no you guys are in a transitional time but I remember talking about the first year going you guys are the first wind like you guys are part of this change yeah. without making them not in a sort of big headed way or so but like you guys are part of it you're not going into perfect things and I think what's really special is that and Sarah Frankham sort of backed this up because we won some Q&A together Sarah Frankham used to run the exchanges now yeah. head of Lambda and these are the guys because there's a confidence to them where they didn't they perhaps didn't feel how we felt when we started drama school it's like I don't deserve to be here or like oh maybe I'm the one that's wrong and everyone else is right they're the ones going, hey, I'm not sure about this. Can we talk about this? And why is this happening? And and, and doing it in a, a, a non-shouty uh, way, non, non-aggressive, non-aggressive yeah, way of going, yeah. hey, like, why? And can we yeah. talk about this? Yeah. And well, it's, it's I think that's like, what's yeah. really beautiful um, about it a little bit. Non-confrontational. Yeah. yeah. You've got to have conflict. You've got, we do get angry and all that rest of it, but there has to be a balance and there has to be something about, I think everything's so polarised. And I'm not sure which you could say about the country and all the rest and the politics oh. of it, but it's so polarized. And I'm, I just think it's much easier to maybe put it like this. Go on. Open door happened and it was a positive thing that involved everyone. But without, but its existence highlights the problem and made people go, okay, shit, we need to sort some stuff out. But I didn't need to be. Uh, aggressive I didn't need to aggressive is the wrong word I didn't need to bring something down to do that now, don't get me wrong I'm in meetings with people and going this is we need to change this and all the rest of it but I yeah. guess my route was which is why it's it's sometimes unquantifiable I keep saying and there's a, definitely a better word it's hard to put down perhaps the impact we've we've had in the change part of things that have been going on because my logic was if I'm trying to encourage people to go to drama school because I think if we flood the people with drama school who don't usually go yeah. the change is going to happen yeah which is happening if I am then um trying to bring down these places I'm no the young people it's going to continue the cycle where people think it's not for them so I do everything behind the scenes and sometimes it's really receptive and relationships change with schools and sometimes it's easy and sometimes it isn't. Um, and when I need to be, I'll, I'll push. Um, I think I've only got angry twice. I've had to be like, that's not on. Um, but I think there's a way of doing it that's like, hey, like, okay, this is happening. Let me show you why this needs to happen. Yeah. Getting the drama schools on side so it's less because they've been defensive for years because, you know, every newspaper's attacking them, people are attacking them. And I hope I've made it clear, of course, there are things that need to change drastically. But there are people within those institutions that are doing that and things have changed the last couple of years. But if we can get them on side and go, hey, let me show you, let me introduce you to these people who can show you that, ah, the work you're doing, this works great, but this needs to change. If I can get the industry to go, maybe drama schools are the right place to go. Look, these things are changing. It's going to take some time. If you get young people going, it ain't perfect, but you guys are part of that change. The map things can work together. I don't know. I just, the polarization of everything is quite, uh, I think, demonstrative and, and it doesn't quite, it runs out. Because if yeah. you just, if you just try and bring everything down all the time, eventually no one's going to listen when you do say, I, I feel like there hasn't really been a thing that I've been super critical of. 
So I think when I am super critical of someone, I hope that someone might go, oh, if he's, he's a bit peed off about it, it must be real bad. Yeah. So I'm sort of saving my ammo up a bit. Um, well, David, myself, you know, a bit. just please carry on doing what you're doing because I think it's incredible. And you know I've always been supportive of, yeah, of, definitely, of what thanks. you do. And I think uh, change is the way. And it's absolutely brilliant what you're doing. Thanks, Thank pal. you so much for coming on and talking thanks about it. Thanks for having really me. Oh, mate. Always welcome. Thank you so much. And another episode is done. Thank you so, so much for downloading and subscribing. Massive thank you to David for giving us his time. And that was, we recorded that at the end of a very long day for both of us. So, um, yeah, I'm always grateful when people just give their time and we don't have to rush. So it was great. Um, well, should we just, I suppose we'll just do it all again next Thursday, shall we? Okay, well, let's do that. Um, thanks so much for all your messages. Keep them coming in and your emails and the support on patreon.com forward slash two shot pod. I know times are difficult, but you're ever so generous to keep this thing going. And you know what? Don't worry. If you can't afford to support us financially, then when you're on your phone calls or on your Zooms or you're on your house parties, mention the Two Shot Podcast to a few other people. Let's uh, let's keep the community growing. And uh, until next week, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been Producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care and stay safe. I shall see you next week. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. Cheers.